listening to Adoption, Fostering and Tea from the UK's LGBTQ plus adoption and fostering charity, New Family Social. Find us at newfamilysocial.org.uk. I'm Tor, and this week I'm going to be having a cup of tea with Aaron and Adam and talking about the assessment process. Hi, both of you. Hi. Hi. Hiya. So I hear you're going to panel next week. So I don't know, Aaron, how are you feeling about that? Oh, uh, <laughs> um, way more excited and less nervous than I probably was at the beginning of the process. But yeah, I mean, obviously, there's still sort of that, gosh, you know, will they say yes or won't they? But then also, um, you know, when they say yes, it's like, this is going to really happen. happen. Yeah. And it's like, wow. <laughs> they say yes, you have to have a child. Exactly. <laughs> Yeah, there's no getting out of it at that stage. Gosh, okay. How are you feeling about it, Adam? Yeah, no, very, very um, cool, calm and collected at the moment. I think we've had an amazing social worker um, who has got us to this point and, you know, we'll be forever grateful for that and has made it uh, a more painless journey than we expected it to be. It's been Mm. an emotional roller coaster, but actually I think both of us quite enjoyed the experience. I mean, that's that's fantastic. And it's nice to hear. Did you both have the same approach to it, Aaron? Like, how did you come into it? What were you feeling at the start? Yeah. So, I mean, it's one of those funny scenarios where, of course, you know, we know each other, but you kind of get to know each other in a different way. And, you know, I'm I'm definitely like the planner and sort of make sure I've got all the T's crossed and I's dotted. <laughs> um, so I went into it with a very kind of like, we've got to get everything right because, you know, we're being tested. Yes. Um, whereas Adam's definitely more relaxed about things, which actually we, we discovered was absolutely perfect for us. So, yeah, it was kind of like, right, come on, we need to, it's like a, a regimental kind of approach of, <laughs> of getting ready for it all and, and, and entering into the journey. Have you got a spreadsheet, be honest? Sorry, have I got what? Have you made a spreadsheet of any kind related to this Uh, process? Because I certainly did. I I definitely made a list um, (laughs) or two. I can't remember if I actually had a spreadsheet. Oh, that's a spreadsheet Um, by another name. It's a one-column spreadsheet. (laughs) Well, you sound like my kind of person. So, right, Adam, justify your approach to me. Uh, Yeah, I mean, there are too many spreadsheets involved in this process in the (laughs) first place for me. But yeah, no, I was very, I I did come into it quite calm and collected and thought, you know, it's just a process of telling people about your life and being truthful. And that's generally how I approach things. And um, I think there was an element of the way that Aaron thinks about things that made me think, am I doing this right? Do I just need to be Mm. telling them what they need to hear? Uh, and I think that balance between the two of us really worked, you know, because there, there was a moment where we're just like, actually, no, this is, we need to tell them about us and who we are. Stop trying to tell them what we I definitely freaked you hear. out, for yeah. sure. Yeah. yeah. Did you, how, how did you freak him out? Oh, just by saying, no, you, you don't know all the right terms in the, that we read in the book. You know, it's, it's not it's not that. This is how you need to refer to it. They're going to be expecting us to use the right terms. And yeah, my usual kind of like panic moment. Yes, it sounds like you really were viewing it as an exam for your past. Absolutely. Yeah, I can understand that completely. Was there anything that you needed to talk to them about? You don't have to go into detail about what it was if it's really personal, but was any of it 
things that you thought might be deal breakers at any point? Hmm. I don't know. Adam, did, was there anything you thought? I'm just thinking that's a really good question. And um, I don't I don't think so. I think in terms of we, we, there was a couple of big events that we had coming up. We've got our, our weddings coming up as well. Just like, oh, is that going to come at the wrong time? Uh, we just moved into that. And you read a lot about there mustn't be these big things going on in your life. You know, you, you can't be moving in the process. And we just moved into a new house. And, you know, was it going to be up to standard? Was everything going to be safe for the child? So I think there was a few moments where we scared ourselves. But I don't think once we started the process, anything cropped up, we we'll thought, oh, no, uh, we're I, just not going to be suitable. Yeah, I think um, maybe there was, the only thing was, you know, everyone goes through um, or, or, or hope you know, some people have to go through sort of a bit of traumatic moments in their life. And, you know, we knew that they were going to be, they want to ensure that we, we're going to provide a stable environment for, for our child. And, you know, there were things in both our lives in the past which were, were unpleasant scenarios. And, and we weren't really sure how they would, they would, what they would need us to demonstrate to prove that those aren't going to impact us negatively. So certainly I will, I was a bit worried about some of those bigger moments or life moments, you know, I'll tell you what, what, what it were. It was for Adam's side, it was a death of someone very, very close. Um, and for me, I, yeah. I had cancer um, and I was like, Oh God, are they going to be thinking, am I, have I dealt with that? The trauma of all of that, um, et cetera, but it, it was fine in the end. And I mean, they are huge things. And, you know, I'm sorry to hear both of those. That sounds, that, that sounds really difficult. What, what were you required to show to show that you'd, I don't really want to use the phrase got over or moved on from because you don't necessarily do you but dealt with assimilated, you know, coping with, um, however we might put it. Aaron, what, what were you asked to say or have done or have reached in terms of yourself around those things mm. so this was when i went into planning mode <laughs> <laughs> you planned your way out of an emotional situation i like it <laughs> Adam was just like oh god here we go again um so basically um we kind of discussed the the sort of big topics in our lives that we knew would come up um and i sort of interrogated adam on so how are you going to demonstrate that you know you dealt with your emotions at the time and you know I was personally sort of interrogating myself and thinking how do I demonstrate that you know I'm not carrying anything negative with me I think probably the most important thing that I realized was that actually some of those things that we've been through some of those potentially negative things that we've been through in our lives are actually going to help us because our our child would have been through some kind of trauma and actually we can probably relate to that potentially in in various ways from from what we've been through in life so so it, it's it's more about thinking about the positive things that we've learned from that and do there things that we would do differently or the things that we've learned etc so you know i think i was i was at the beginning i was thinking these are all bad things that they're going to interrogate us on. But actually, those things actually, I think, are real positives. Wouldn't you say, Adam? Yeah, no, I completely agree. And I think there was an element where it was a bit frightening to talk about it, but then realising that 
what they wanted to hear was that you'd had conversations about these traumatic experiences and you'd shared those traumatic experiences and then you weren't hiding it or holding on to anything. Uh, and I think that's kind of what they wanted to hear. But it does make you realise that they are important things in your life and they will be beneficial. You've learned a lot through those happening. You can be very empathetic and understand other people's feelings. I agree with both of you and what you're saying in terms of I think those things will be the things that you draw on. But I don't know that the system is, is always very good at telling people that they're welcome into the system with those things. Mm. I think I think it's trying, but I think sometimes not necessarily individual professionals within the system, but just the system as a whole kind of defaults back over and over again to that straightforward people with straightforward lives should parent complicated children. And I sort of get why it defaults to that because it's the model that we're all, I guess it's the model that we all see as, as parenting. It's all smooth and without Mm -hmm. bumps and seamless and perfect and picket fence and all those things. But I wish there was a bit more of a move towards, I guess, complicated people with complicated backgrounds can parent complicated children very well. Um, And I draw on things in my own life and still do that are either trauma-based or experience-based or just, you know, lately I've been sort of learning a bit more about my own brain wiring after my entire family forced me to sit and do an autism test and uh, I scored a lot higher than I thought I might um so yeah let's say I passed it but you know um but learning about my own brain wiring and things like that and then learning how to apply that sense of we're, we're all different we're all wired differently we all function differently in things to my children and particularly to my adopted child and thinking actually maybe in terms of neurodiversity, for example, maybe his brain just works better when things happen this way. Mm. And that's partly from learning for myself. Now, if I'd gone into the adoption process, I didn't know that about myself then. But if I'd gone into the adoption process saying, look, I could be autistic, I certainly have some autistic traits. I don't know if I would have thought I would be welcomed with that. Actually, I draw on it all the time. Yeah. Aaron, what, what were your thoughts on that? Um, yeah, it's, it, it actually sort of got me thinking about the, the learning process that we went through of understanding the power of our differences. So, um, you know, obviously with all the books we were reading about the various challenges that are, um, we might face with our child that we might have to overcome, you know, I, I, I love sort of thinking about how the mind works, how people work and think and sort of really getting under the skin of things and the mechanics of it all and then sort of developing a solution and a way and approach of boards and you know Adam it is as I've sort of mentioned earlier sort of way more relaxed and sort of just takes it as it comes kind of thing and at first I was like freaking out because I was sort of like no you you can't you've got to you know you've got to be like me um basically I think pretty much what I was trying to do and we actually realized that the power the strength the strength that we have as as a couple is that difference because when it comes to those challenges that we're going to face with our child we're going to approach them from completely different angles and viewpoints and that we believe will help us to overcome those and and you know 
who knows what those challenges are going to be, but, you know, and, and how we'll overcome them. But, you know, it's going to be difficult. And actually, I think we'll be able to rely on each other. And, and that's those different viewpoints that we bring to the table. So it really sounds like through the process, the process forced you to learn that about each other's approaches or face it in a different way. Is that true for you, Adam? Did you find that you were learning more and more about Aaron? Yes, very much so. And um, I, I think as well as that, there, of the million and one podcasts and things that you have to listen to and all the study you need to do, our social worker gave us a TED talk to watch. And actually, that really backs up what you are saying. And sort of, it's one that everybody should watch if they're coming from the point of view of a same-sex couple trying to adopt in the fact that the stats add up that often or not, they are better prepared uh, to adopt children with more needs than others. You know, they've been through things themselves, they understand. But, you know, it did make us sort of think about each other in a different way and, you know, appreciate exactly what we both bring to the table, you know, just like all of Aaron's planning is absolutely fantastic and I really appreciate it. He takes that pressure off of me, but then I feel that I bring a lot of calmness to the situation and I think that's very beneficial. Yeah, definitely. That I mean, that does sound great that, you know, you've got that difference of approach and I think that can be incredibly useful um and you know you're right that often lgbtq people will consider um children who might wait longer for placements because of their level of need or the situation that they're from and certainly at the moment the stats are showing that in this year there is a surplus of adopters there are more adopters than there are children but the adopters that there are aren't necessarily matching with the children who are waiting um, so there's a slight mismatch between those two groups at the moment. So people who are coming forward who have um, a broad concept of the child that they might be able to parent, they are the ones that are likely to be being matched with the children who are waiting. Mm. Aaron? Um, yeah, so it's really interesting. You, you, you've got, got sparked a few thoughts in my head. So I think the first thing was that um, the best piece of advice we were given by a friend who had adopted is, you know, make sure you're really clear about what you will and what you won't be able to take on. So we were, it, we were nervous about saying, well, we don't want that and, and we won't consider that because it felt like we wouldn't be negative. Um, but, you know, as the pro we went through the process, we realised just how important it was to be really clear and honest. And I think the, the other thing was um, that... Uh, well, the thing that I found actually quite difficult and be interesting to see what Adam has to say about this, but there was a point where our social worker, every 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 piece of information we were reading or hearing, was just talking about all the negatives. And um, being really honest, I, there was a there was a point of sort of good way through the process where I just thought, God, are, are we going to be adopting like Satan's child? You know, it surely it's got to be some really lovely, warm, happy moments. But it just felt like that wasn't going to happen um, with if we adopted a child. And literally, I went to Adam and I said, "Do do we really do we really want to do this? Is this something that we can take on?" And and bearing in mind, I'm the one who 
brought the whole topic up in the first place and I've been sort of super positive about doing it to then go to that point was was quite scary for me actually where did you go from that point you know you had that moment uh you know you went to Adam and said what now Adam what did you think for a start when Aaron came to you with can we actually do it yeah well for me this is a really important moment because the idea had come from Aaron originally and I was just like yeah no that's going to be great and I was very calm about it and and very supportive of Aaron really wanting to do it and knew that I wanted to do it but it was that moment where I was the one who ended up talking Aaron into the fact that we really wanted to do this and it will be okay and I was the one that all of a sudden it was a bit like oh now, I really, really want to do this. So it was a real turning point for me and, uh, and, a, and an important thing to go through as well. But I suppose with my rose-tinted glasses, I always believed that it wouldn't be that bad, that there are ways through it. I know it can be very, very difficult. And some of the books we were given to read are for that purpose specifically to kind of frighten you and really realise exactly what you might be going through what you might be taking on so uh one of them I did stop reading because I thought it was so depressing but I have a realistic view on it and I think between us again we came up with that sort of this is the right thing to do still I mean I think you're absolutely right to be very clear about what you feel able and not able to consider and that's going to be the next phase for you of course is having that conversation repeatedly Um, and I think it is hard but I think it's important that you do your research and follow your gut, which it sounds like the two of you together, you know, it sounds like Aaron, you'll do the research mm-hmm. and Adam, you'll follow your gut and, you know, fine. And that's good to consider what you do and don't feel able to deal with. I think some things from experience can sound really terrifying and be less so perhaps when you're dealing with it. Other things can be pretty scary when you're dealing with it, but I suppose that's where your support network comes in and that's where you find specifically your adopter, foster care friends who really get it from the bottom of their hearts. And then you go and you have a bit of a moan to them and say, this is really hard or this feels really complicated or I don't really see a way forward with this. And I think the other thing that that I've learned over time is to just kind of go easy on myself that if in a particular moment something is really tricky around parenting generally, it's to be kind to myself if I'm finding it really hard or really frustrating and just allow for the fact that's a normal human emotion and also allow for the fact that we mess it up sometimes and that was hard you know in terms of therapeutic parenting it's great and all that but it's really hard to do 24 7 and we um at one bit had um a bit of an intervention thing as a family and you know a a sort of a post-adoption support thing and um one of them sort of said to us, oh, no, you can't get it right all the time. And it was like, oh, I thought that's where the bar was. I thought it was all the time was what <laughs> yeah, we were aiming for. Yeah. And that every time we didn't get it right, okay, well, we we deviated from the required standard. And she was sort of saying, no, no, if you get it right about half the time, you're doing great. And it was like, oh, brilliant. Okay, good for a start. And she also said something about one of the most important things is not that you mess up it's how you and the child and that relationship recover from messing up and actually she was saying that that was evidence-based that that recovery part is is actually the indicator of how strong that relationship is and 
what damage or otherwise has been done or whatever. It's not that something goes wrong because things just inevitably go wrong. But if you can recover it so you can make up, you can apologize, you can hug, you can cry out, whatever it is, that recovery is actually an incredibly important part. And that gave me huge confidence because I think every time we hit a bump and I thought I cocked it up, frankly, I just thought, well, there we go. Let's chalk another thing up to having the cock up bin, you know, but actually it was like, yeah, but then we recovered it. You know, we did hug it out. We, we laughed and smiled about it afterwards. We made it fun. We talked about it. And I'm talking about me and the kids as well. I'm not just talking about me and Jackie, but me and the kids talking it through. And, you know, and sometimes we do sort of laugh it out. Um, my youngest sort of delivered the sentence that is is almost cliched, in, delivered it in anger, which was, you're not my real mom, and delivered it in anger. And I think I think he was more upset by having said it than I was at hearing it because you know, I know that he has me as a mom. I know he has Jackie as a mom and I know he has a birth mom as a mom. And I don't feel threatened by the fact that there's another mom out there. That's okay. But I think he was quite upset at having delivered it. But actually now it's become a little bit of a joke between us. So he'll sort of joke, can I stay up another half hour or I'll say you're not my real mom again and then we'll chuckle, <laughs> you know? So it's nice and and it was okay. And so, yeah, okay, the the thing that led him to feel that he needed to say, you're not my real mom, that probably went in the cock-up bin. That was me handling a situation not as therapeutically as I could have done. It escalated. He ended up pulling for a, quotes, weapon, you know, words as a weapon sort of thing. Said a thing that he felt bad about, I felt kind of okay about. But, you know, but then our recovery was, we talked about it. It eventually sort of morphed into a joke and it's become a sort of, ongoing thing which has taken the sting out those words as well and so we survived and so I guess now it's in the we survived bin you know it's <laughs> in the cock up bin so anyway for, for what it's worth Aaron what were you going to say it, it's actually really funny because we we owe you a massive thank you um because there's one of the other podcasts where you say you know about talk about how you got it wrong once massively in a therapeutic parenting guide was like it was the middle of the night or something I think and it just went out the window and you just said you know what it's okay you don't have to get it right every time we were we both said to each other we were in the car listening to it we both said phew you know what actually I was I have been thinking how can you do this every time how can you follow what this book says that's yeah. not real life is it so thank you for that but also, <laughs> you talked about network and again this was one of those things where it was really interesting for us because my family come from Guyana, South America, so ultimately of Indian descent. Um, so family and family network is a massive part of our life. So I think we were sort of super lucky or are super lucky, will be super lucky because my family will be very present and supportive in helping us with our child. And, you know, uh, also, um, I'm the youngest of four, and my two sisters are retired. So, um, wow. they, they, you're going to be absolutely covered in babysitters, aren't you? <laughs> absolutely, yeah. So, One child, babysitters. <laughs> so we're we're really lucky with that, and um, you know, it's obviously something that you get. We get we got asked about a lot in terms of detail and and support network from our social worker, and you know, Adam being white. Um, no, I shouldn't say he has got because he's. He's got a small family, but you know, he has got a <laughs> smaller family. Which, I mean, Adam, I don't know if you want to talk about actually we'll talk about your family. Yeah, I mean, it, it is a smaller family than yours, but 
you know, there are cultural differences as well, you know, it's just, I think, well, like many white Anglo-Saxon Protestant families, they choose not to spend much time with each other or, you know, they're not as big a family unit or they're not around um, all the time, which, you know, it just makes our families very different, but it doesn't mean they don't want to be there. It's just that they behave in a slightly different way. But I think the whole thing about the building your network and identifying that network changes during the process as well. So mm. when they first start talking about network, you're looking at your friends, and your family, but that that's not really your support network. And learning that during the process was really important. Just like finding those people through New Family Social and other people who have adopted. And we were very lucky in the fact that we actually knew quite a lot of our friends had already adopted or mm. were adopted. And, you know, they're the ones that we've been going to through this process. So now I understand you're our support network. You're the people who we're going to be coming to to ask those really important questions because you're the only ones who are going to understand. Yeah. Absolutely. And, and I was going to say, um, add to that, you know, the understanding piece is a biggie because we've, Adam and I have had a conversation about my family, as much as they will be very present and supportive, they're also going to do those standard things that most people do and, you know, maybe, you know, criticise our child if he, well, say he, because we're hoping to adopt a son, um, a boy, um, you know, if he can't play football or, or whatever it might be, if he doesn't do something as well as he could, you know, in in their normal way, not being critical, you know, they'll 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 maybe take the mick out of him or something. And, you know, that's something I'm gonna have to address because of course it's not something that, that will be acceptable. So yeah, you know, the friends who have adopted will be very understanding of of what we're going through and what we need to do. Whereas uh, firm, certainly my family, or both our families, we're going to have to help educate them on, on what it means and how different it will be. Uh, yeah, yeah, I mean, that's actually reminded me of something else as well. I mean, one of the really interesting things is that point around transracial adoption as well. Hmm. And Aaron and I have spoken about this quite a lot. And Aaron understands different points of view about transracial adoption, has been through a lot himself. And the social workers are like, oh, you need to join this transracial adoption group and you must go on this um, course. And we're just like, well, why should we do that? You know, it's just like, well, there's a certain ele element for me that I was just like, no, I think that'd be really useful. And it was just understanding that it was for, it was more for me than it was for Aaron, because Aaron does have a great understanding of the type of things that you're going to go through but one of the things and, and I think as a, a gay person you've got a lot of that built in anyway because you're getting different kinds of abuse and mm. over the years so there is a certain understanding of that but what I missed out on the bit that I hadn't thought about was and it was just listening to one of the podcasts it's just like have that conversation with your family just bring it to their attention that your child might be of mixed race and mm. you know all of a sudden I was a bit like oh, I need to tell my mum. She might not have considered that. Thankfully, she had. And it was like, oh, she really surprised me. I was just like, oh, that's good. But it was, it was a really nice conversation at the end. But I just thought, yes, you really need to tell people. You don't want it to be a surprise. 
Yeah, absolutely. And I guess you might both end up being transracial adopters, depending on the ethnic background of your child, because, of course, it may not match your background either, Aaron. And so, you know, you can end up that although you might have that experience of being from a minoritized community and experience of racism and stuff, which clearly, Adam, you wouldn't have personally experienced in that way. I haven't personally experienced in that way, whereas Aaron, you would have done. It could still be that the nuance and the the cultural background is completely different. And you can end up both finding yourself thinking, I don't know anything like as much as I perhaps could do with knowing about this child's cultural background. What are your thoughts on that, Aaron? Yeah, so this was, again, it was a really interesting one. And, you know, you, you don't typically sort of analyse your life and your family and think about the, the pros and cons. But, you know, because uh, my family come from from Guyana and some of them come from Trinidad and Tobago, so it's that whole West Indies. So we're quite a mixed pot of people. So we've got we've got black uh, family members, obviously sort of Indian, of Indian descent, you know, we've got white uh, members of our family. So it's a real mix. You know, I, I growing up, I used to go to the Hindu temple. I used to go to midnight mass. I used to go to the mosque. You know, it's not that I was confused about what, you know, that I was a Muslim, but, you know, I was able to appreciate all the different, everything that life and people and religions had to offer. So it was interesting when, when the social worker was sort of, encouraging us to listen to some of these podcasts and things and I was like I don't I don't get it you know I've got a little little frustrated you know I don't get it what why what does she think I don't know does she not think I've experienced racism and you know I was like um okay I need to bring this up with her but you know I need to do it in the right way and we listened to this one podcast and I, we were in the car and uh, Adam will probably laugh because I was just getting more and more frustrated because I was like no, this person's trying to tell me what it's like to experience racism, uh, people saying things or or feeling like you don't fit in, etc. And uh, I was just like, no, 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 no. This is, this is not working for me. So we had a we had a long conversation with our social worker, and you know, I just helped her to understand that uh, you know if she didn't realise yet, you know, there was a lot of understanding that I have. And it's not to say I know everything, of course I don't, but, um, you know, I think she now appreciates um, what I do have to bring to the table. That I mean, that's really fascinating. Is religion important to you now? Is it part of your identity? Yeah. Oh, gosh, here we go. <laughs> okay. So um, <laughs> when growing up, you know, um, uh, I used to go to the mosque. I learned to read Arabic. I mean, because because my parents come from Guyana, we only speak English. But religion was an important was and is an important part but, of my life. But when I sort of was coming coming out and coming to terms with the fact I was gay, I was very aware that you know being a Muslim, everything that I stood for went against my religion and what what other Muslims potentially believed. Not all, but you know some. And I actually thought I'm just going to reject religion. And I, I was so pleased that I can now say that there, I reached a point where I realised that, you know, actually my religion uh, is really just between the relationship I have with religion is between me and, and God. It's, it doesn't matter what anyone else thinks. And I just said, you know, I'm going to be me. You know, if I'm going to be judged for that, then, you know, so be it. 
But um, you know, I've also been a believer that religion, all religions, just teach us about right and wrong. People use religion as a weapon um, to do bad things, but you know, I think religion can be a really positive thing in people's lives. And you know, if if the child we adopt comes from a very religious background, then we will do everything in our power to ensure that religion is part of of their life. Obviously, if if it's Islam, then great. You know, I have a bit of inside knowledge. So, yeah, we'll see uh, how lucky we are when um, our son or daughter arrives. It sounds like that broad cultural understanding of religion is going to be really, really useful, as well as your own personal beliefs and so on. Then in that case, you know, I can imagine you being able to draw on direct experience of lots and lots of different things. Yeah. And Adam, do you have religious beliefs? Um, quite an interesting one, actually. And this process made me revisit some conversations with my family again, which was quite nice. And just like, just in terms of understanding why they did the things that they did. And we used to go to Sunday school. I suppose we're just Christian, and you know, or Church of England, um, sort of slightly undefined. But you know, we used to go to Sunday school, and the, and I actually found it all very, very interesting. And I think it's very interesting that you know those stories all exist throughout most religions they're just told in a slightly different way uh, and I think understanding that's really important so and I and I believe that's where I get a really good sense of right and wrong and all those kind of teachings we know there's elements that are you know teach that you know it's a sin to be gay etc but you know I think things have moved on quite a lot and you can read things in a very different way but at some point, I think one of the reasons we were going to Sunday school is that we got to go to the Tuesday and Thursday fun afternoons mm. uh, with the rest of the kids. And I think it was just one Sunday we woke up and went, do we have to go today? And Mama went, no. And just like, oh, all right then. And that kind of ended it. But, you know, we'd still had all that learning and it continued throughout school. But they, I think my parents were actually doing a very early form of therapeutic parenting. They were sort of like, what do you want to do? let's understand each other and about why you want to do this, why don't you want to go, et cetera. And, uh, um, and that worked very well. So, so we, had a th- we had to go to church as kids, which is odd, because as far as I know, my parents don't believe in anything, but <laughs> we had to go. And um, so we went and, and obviously moaned and moaned and moaned about it. And then in the end, my mum came up with this plan and she listens to this podcast, I think a lot. I think half the listenership is her and her mates, but <laughs> hi, mum. Um, <laughs> But nonetheless, I'm going to now tell a story about her. Um, But she came up with this idea that I'd been christened as a baby and then you can get confirmed, which is a kind of a young teenager sort of reaffirmation of faith, I guess, or something. So she said, if you get confirmed, you can stop going. So I had to go through this process of going to confirmation classes to then stand up in church and affirm my faith in order to get out of going. And oh, so I right. did it. That was a price I was happily willing to pay, hypocrisy. And um, yes, yeah, so I got confirmed in order to never have to go to church again and indeed never have been. So, <laughs> very unique approach. And now I'm probably going to get struck by a thunderbolt. If there's a sudden flash and I'm gone, we'll all know what happened. <laughs> <laughs> well 
I'm, you know, I'm really aware that you're on, you know, a seven day countdown to panel and, you know, how exciting. I guess by the time this is broadcast, it will have been been and gone. Yeah. Uh, and so hopefully that's a really, really smooth thing for you both. Um, but it would be lovely perhaps if you would come back and talk to us again once, maybe once you've been matched or once you've got a child placed with you, if you fancy that. Yeah, that would be lovely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We found these podcasts so, so useful. Um, you know, honestly, I can't thank you enough for for all the all the information you've given us. The comfort factor. I mean, you know, New Family Social has felt like a, a second home to us. Um, and we said that to a social worker. I don't think she was maybe uh, happy about it, but we were like, no, we get so much from it you know everyone's always been so welcome literally from day one when the first sort of uh, session that we joined so thank you massively oh that's absolutely lovely that you felt so supported I'm absolutely thrilled um so listen thank you both so much for coming it's been really nice to have you and we'd love to have you back I'd like to thank my guests today Aaron and Adam if you enjoyed this podcast please leave us a five-star review and share it with your friends Follow us on Twitter at LGBT Adopt Foster and on Facebook search New Family Social, all one word. Visit our website at newfamilysocial.org.uk. Adoption, Fostering and Tea is produced by New Family Social. The presenter was me, Tor Doherty, with music from Matt Doherty. The producer was John Jenkins. We'll be back next time with more guests and more tea.